What's up, you ugly fools? I don't know if you can hear me or not. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin. Sapnin. You're listening to episode 101 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend and sometimes rap superstar, Morgan Richards, a.k.a. Mo Dick. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and this podcast will be the anthem of our dying day with real-life moments and wallflower experiences. Yep, this week's guest is <laughs> Moon Valjean, um, guitarist, frontman, radio host, podcast host, current member of Goldfinger and Greek Fire, former member of Story of the Year, and yeah, former tour friend of Sean and the Blackout. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, Moon is such a key figure in the whole history of our scene, being a part of so many influential bands, as you've just said, Sean. But you know him very well, very personally, because he was a part of one of your favourite ever tours with The Blackout. Yes, yes. In 2008, I think The Blackout were just gearing up to record for The Best in Town. And we had some time off and... um, I believe our friend Emma Van Dytes was the uh, PR person at the time, and she asked, would we be up for going out with them? And we were like, yes. <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah, the first band I ever saw to do backflips live and throw the guitars across the stage to each other. Wow. Unbelievable. What a performance. What a tour. It was a great laugh, and one of the highlights of the tour was getting to befriend Moon, and here we are today. So, yes, thank you very much to Moon for coming on. Um, we had a fantastic time with him. We spoke for like nearly over an hour and a half. He's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant human. So thank you again to Moon. Yeah, this is a really interesting conversation because Moon, known in a previous life as Philip Sneeds, just talks and opens up a lot about his different chapters in his life. He, he kind of likes to describe himself as a man that helps people sing, dance and laugh for a living and you're going to experience this because not only do we get into Story of the Year and his 15-year stint with the band, the early game-changing records like Page Avenue and his departure, but how he got involved with John Feldman and Goldfinger, the exact moment he found out he was an official member of the 
particular band and more secrets on their brand new upcoming record his passion project greek fire famous podcast and radio show the point in st louis loads of acts who have tried to steal him in the past and quite possibly the best ever meeting your musical hero story i've ever heard it's a wow whopper dinger that's not even a word that's how good it is <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah for anybody who's listened to this for the first time uh yeah we've got another 100 episodes of this out so please go back and think about checking it out i'm sure i am i guarantee you there is somebody on there that you will enjoy listening to and get in touch with us on twitter and instagram at Sappening Pod, that's at S A W P E N I N P O D, that's at S A W P E N I N P O D, and that's where you can get in touch with us and suggest guests, suggest topics, let us know episodes you like, mm-hmm. let us know episodes you didn't like, um, tag, tag your friends, tag your enemies, tag future guests. <laughs> Just get in touch with us. We love it. At Sapping Pod on the socials. Yeah, just go absolutely crazy where possible. But before we go any further as well, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to, for all the wonderful and heartfelt messages we've received over the last week uh, celebrating our 100th episode. We've uh, still here, yeah, episode 101. Absolutely crazy. Um, it's just been a, r- a really heartwarming week. So thank you to everyone involved. And a special thank you to our lovely Patreon community, family and cult we've been able to make as well because we had some special celebrations with them over the weekend. All got on a giant Zoom, had a laugh, they asked questions, we answered some things we probably shouldn't have and that's all available to watch back on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. We had a fantastic time with them. Um, thank you very much to everybody who's already part of the Patreon. Thank you very much to everybody who turned up Saturday for the Zoom meeting. It was absolutely amazing to see everyone. And, yeah, just get to hang out. So thanks again. If you've enjoyed any of these episodes, please think about supporting us at patreon.com forward slash sapnin, where you can give as little as a cup of coffee to as much as you could ever afford <laughs> to show us your support but that's absolutely fine if you can't do it that's cool if you have done it in the past and you don't do it anymore that's awesome thank you very much for your support we appreciate it very much but patreon.com forward slash happening yes and of course on the time of releasing this it's halloween tomorrow so sending all the spooky vibes to you as we can and our patreon are going to be celebrating halloween as well so get involved with that patreon.com for us happening but sean without any further ado would you like to get reconnected with your good friend moon and hear some fantastic stories about bands and touring life no well i've heard them we've done it yeah but it's coming next so this well, is where yeah, you pretend. Like you, you know, yeah, but no, yeah, no. You just asked me, did I want to? Re- I have reconnected with him, and I am. Um... Yeah, but if we listen to this now, you can experience that whole reconnecting period again, and then the listener believes that this is all one lovely oh, moment. This is more- Ah, <laughs> oh, this is more for them than it is for me. Then yeah. all right, yeah, yeah. Go on, let's get on with it. Fuck it. Something. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sapnin! 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 What? <laughs> that might be the best one yet! Yes! We just checked mic levels too and I probably blew it. Sapnin! <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just completely um, distorted all the way through now. It's, everything sounds blown out. Yeah, this week's guest is, well, singer, <laughs> guitarist, uh, radio presenter, podcaster, father all-round good human in some of the best bands I've ever come across. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's guest is Moon Valjean. Yes. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm great now with that intro. That intro is <laughs> wonderful. Can you do that in front it of It goes my downhill phone? massively from here yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> we That's do fine. have to say. Hey, so do I. <laughs> but how's things? How are you keeping? Uh, you know, things are good. Um, I'm one of those guys that's uh, always trying to find the best in things. So even when when all this this COVID stuff and and you know, you guys had a uh, a bit of a different experience than we did in this country. But by the time this hit the Midwest, we were shut down around you know March, April, uh, which is like touring season. You know what I mean? Mm. I was supposed to be back in I was supposed to be back in the UK. Um, we had a whole bunch of festivals going on, and all that was just stripped away. And uh, I do a daily radio show here in the morning show. Um, or, you know, a morning show and a podcast called The Rizzuto Show. And all of a sudden, I found myself broadcasting from my basement. Uh, but even through all that, man, like, I'm pretty stoked on life, man. Things are, things are good. Uh, uh, 80% of my income just vanished. But even that, like, yeah. things are good, man. I've been able to spend more time with my children, um, which is something that touring obviously strips you from and all that. I love my kids and I love my home. So I have zero complaints. That's awesome. Do you know what? Yeah, you're one of the very few people we've had on who have been surprisingly <laughs> positive, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's Man, awesome. Man, how, how can you not be positive when the planet, legitimately like the planet, forces you to not only change your lifestyle, but like prior to that, like we have been forced to examine what it is in our lives that's worth keeping or what it is in our lives that's worth fighting for or what it is in our lives that we didn't realize we had until it was either A, taken away from us, B, threatened to be taken away from us, or C, just completely like 
upended where you actually had to look at something you're doing and figure out why you're doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. From, from, from the simple stuff like jobs and touring and all that to the little stuff of like routine. When do I go to bed? How much do I drink during the week? Um, you know, all that stuff. Like how, how cool, you know, I'm a, I'm a big philosophy fan and, and, and all that. And like, I think this is, this is not a fun thing and hundreds of thousands of people are, are dead and it's, it's a tragic thing. It's an awful thing. But just as war, famine, and a few other things um, in life force global change or force change within like a philosophical realm for humankind, like this is a really unique, interesting, and, and I have found it to be a very thankful time to be alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to talk about this and go, you remember when this happened? You remember the world before that? And, and, and not in some old guy nostalgia way, but in like <laughs> in like a, that's a unique position yeah. for people, especially our parents, like uh, other than World War II and, so, and, and some big things that happened, you know, from uh, political standpoints or, or, or just global shifts and all that. My parents didn't experience that kind of shift you know what I'm saying? Like they were baby boomers and, and, and that kind of stuff. And like, that was like a very clear cut time. Like they, they go to college, you get this plan and then you do that for 45 years and then you retire and bam. And that's exactly what happened for them. And everything that we planned, I don't know about your life, but yeah. it's like, fuck all up in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. much, pretty much. Nice. Yeah. It's a good way of looking at it really. Yeah. yeah I never, I've never really considered that. Um, but yeah, it's just well, yeah. What a mental time for us to be alive! Like, it would, like literally a year ago, nobody would have expected any of this, so we all would have thought, "Oh, we'd just be touring," and yeah, I yeah. probably would have seen you in the flesh by now. And then, yeah, yeah. this is this we is both bonkers. have more money than we do right now. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you just like realize, like you know, money is money, and, and it sucks being poor, and I'm and I'm poorer now than I would be otherwise, and poorer now than I was years ago, and all that, but at the same time, man, I've found myself to be so much richer than I would have realized had this been a normal 2020. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, at the time of recording this and everything, uh, you've actually just come off air with your radio show and podcast. Um, t tell us a, a little bit more more about it and everything that's going down in St. Louis. Um, well, I was, uh, you know, like you said, with, with Story of the Year and, uh, and Creek Fire and Goldfinger, I, uh, I was touring for full-time since 2003, 2002, 2003. And after like 10 years, I was a young parent. I was a parent in high school. Um, so I have always had kids as far as my mind knows and my adulthood goes. And I toured for my family and for myself, but to try to, uh, you know, present a life to my daughters at the time that, that I didn't have. And that you guys know there's a ton of sacrifice when it comes to touring. Yes, yeah, the coolest job on earth, but it's, it's a job nonetheless. And I'm away, not just 24 hours a day, but like three months at a time or, or this or that, especially if your record's doing well, you're out there for, mm. for at length until your record's not doing well. You know what I'm saying? And that cycle can last a year, two years, three years, if you're fortunate. And we were fortunate, but that took a toll on, me as a provider and in everything but a monetary sense um it took a toll on my daughters who are now older one of them is married and just turned 22 so i got a 22 wow. year old daughter fellas nice. um, congratulations but, thank you but the more i realized like how that sacrifice really cost them 
And um, I realized that about 10 years ago or so. And uh, I just thought, man, I, I, I can't be on the road like this. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I have to do something else. I found myself at home. Now, this was during, and you guys know, like bands will have their heyday. And then there's an inevitable dip, no matter how big it is. Sometimes it's enormous dip, like it was for us. And sometimes it's just a bit of a dip because of cycles or oversaturation it was easy to kind of sit around and be like, oh my God, I'm only 29 years old and I'm the old guy. You know, you got these like, what a weird business. It's only in sports and in music when you're 20, sports and rock and roll, <laughs> when you're 29 years old and people are like, oh bro, you know, and they're like the biggest band on earth. And they're like, oh bro, dude, I listen to you. You're the reason I play music. I'm like, that's amazing. They're like, you, you know, you were my favorite in fourth grade. I'm like, good God. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so like at 29, yeah. you're a veteran and you're an old yeah. ass. You're the, you're the guys on Warp Tour that have like the bus circle that nobody wants to mess with because everybody's afraid of y'all because you're old. You've been on six <laughs> Warp Tours or nine Warp Tours or whatever. So like uh, that, was, that was where I found myself and like you almost get like musicians hit a midlife crisis at like 29, not at like 39 or 49 like you're supposed to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I just found myself thinking, like, what do, what do I do? What do I know? What do I like? What are my passions? Um, and I was uh, a decent soccer player and an even bigger soccer lover, but I certainly wasn't good enough to do anything with soccer, you know, football. And, uh, and I, I, was, I had a good relationship with the, the station in here in St. Louis, and I was super lucky enough to even be in a city that still had alternative radio. And still had alternative radio that was like thriving. And you guys know as well as I do, man, it, it all just dipped and rock and roll wasn't in the Grammys. It wasn't on MTV. It wasn't here. It wasn't there. It wasn't in all the corners that we were used to being in. But in St. Louis, we still had this incredible station. And um, I was talking to the boss man there and he's like, would you ever consider going on the radio? And I was like, have you heard my voice? Like, this is the opposite of Howard Stern. I, I sound like, like a, like a jacked up Mickey Mouse. You know? <laughs> I was going to say, Mouse Howard, steroids. Howard Unstern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was the Unstern because I, I was used to like radio guys having like announcer voices. Um, but he's like, no man, it's, it's personality. And, uh, and I just thought, man, wouldn't that be cool if the kid that had been made fun of his entire life about his uh, voice being different and high and weird could literally make a living his entire adult, entire adulthood with the voice that was like, that was like my weakness as a kid. You know, I was picked on forever for this dumbass voice. And now for 20 years, I've made a living with it. And uh, he was right. It is about personality. And I... I paid some dues, was doing like $9 an hour, uh, working at the radio station overnight. I gave up my weekends for another two years. So I sacrificed that uh, to, to, to do that and build a relationship there. And it just so happened that a morning show was developed around four um, individuals, all, all very different personalities and different backgrounds. And I was a part of that. And we built it. And it was the number one radio show in the entire area. And as of uh, last year, the Nerdist.com um, did like a breakdown of all 50 states and we were the only podcast besides joe rogan to have two states be the most listened to podcasts in in two separate states oh, we've had over wow. two, 263 million downloads in the past five years which is fucking sweet zombie that's insane <laughs> right that's, yeah that's well done man yeah that's, a, that's Thank a, you. incredible yeah, yeah amazing yeah, well and done it, it, 
it's just a, it's been a really fun transition and um you know, being in a band, it's like Sean, especially like as a front man, when you're, when you're doing interviews and stuff, like radio is so fascinating to see the other side of the fence and you see how both, you see the relationship between musicians and radio and just like selling records and, <laughs> and, and, and you know what I mean? And, and doing yeah. radio and doing podcasts and podcasts are like right in the middle. It's the sweet spot of both sort of avenues and for me, it was a smart business move because I thought this is a great way I can play both sides of the fence and sort of like see what's happening at radio. So I can see I got out of that mentality really quickly just because when you start writing songs or, or thinking about music through just like a business lens, it is zero fun. Zero, at least for me, it, it became zero fun. So I, I wanted nothing to do with music for a minute. Um, but yeah, here we are. And I, and and like I said, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the sweet spot of my life right now. Like I get to do both. Not this year, but, you know, usually Goldfinger does uh, a good amount of dates a year. Greek Fire does a good amount of dates. Um, I got like a fun 90s, like tribute sticky band that yeah, we do the here. Teenage Dirt Banks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With the, and that attaches, that came out, that was born from the radio show. So I, I get to do, I get to do it all, man. I get to have a day gig that I wake up for, I get excited for, I spend time with funny individuals, we make funny radio, we make funny podcasts, then I get to help my kids with homework and put them to bed every night and tour on the weekends here and there. So life has never been better for me. Awesome. Sweet. Well, I am over the bloody moon for you. I cannot <laughs> Thanks, stress man. that enough. I cannot stress that enough. Um, when we met in 2008, um, you guys were, uh, when you were in Story of the Year, you were on the Black Swan tour. And I remember we had an email through from Johnny Phillips from SJM Concerts saying, um, Story of the Year, uh, looking for support. And I, I, nearly, I, I, I nearly snapped his ear off on the phone, <laughs> just phoning it up, going, yes, get us on it now. If I can't see those boys play those songs and do those bloody black flips, I'm going to go <laughs> mental. So, yeah, that was, that was really such a such a fun tour for us and you guys were so accepting of us and uh yeah i just massively appreciate it because we had been fans of you guys you know for a couple of years prior to that well since since the very first record so Dude, yeah awesome. thank you very much it was it was yeah it was a lot of fun that tour i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot no, man. Um, hey, thank you thank you because i'll never forget you guys and I've always followed you too ever since then. Uh, you know, we'd see each other at festivals after that. And I, and I was excited to see you. And I don't know about the rest of my band because um, my band would get a, 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 a bad rap here and there because we weren't super friendly. People, people could say that, that the band as a whole wasn't super friendly sometimes just because most of us were pretty shy. Midwestern, you know, uh, Americans that, that are shy. But what stood out about you guys immediately is by that point we had like toured the world. We had conquered sort of the, the, the genre for a moment uh, with the you no know, fusion tour and page Avenue success and all that. And so a lot of bands that we, even bands that we knew of that we were excited to play with, especially, you know, in, in foreign countries and stuff would show up and you could tell they either um, we're trying to like put on this air of like, Hey, we're, we're cool too kind of thing. Or they were super intimidated, which usually doesn't make for a good live show. Yeah. You guys were one of the first bands that came out. You had balls. <laughs> you, you like, you guys were like, you could tell you were stoked to be there, but you could tell that because you knew that our live show was what it was, you guys were like not intimidated to give us a run for our money. 
you guys came out balls out. Like, <laughs> we are here. We're intimidating ourselves. We are going to have fun with this. You are a, a wild man. I think James or somebody gave me like a pick because I, 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 I lost a pick or something. And your boy came out of left field and was like, boom. And gave me, and I, was like, I was like, I love these dudes. Like they were, you guys were just in it for the whole, um, the whole show. And for me, I, I would watch, I would watch bands that went after us or before us and look for the guys that understood that this is a team effort of a show, just like any sports event or any concert. Like this is a all encompassed show. This isn't like, this isn't like a, like a boxing thing where it's like, here's, here's the title fight, but then here's this card and here's this yeah. card. It, it was, it's not it's all, set, you know, yeah, broken up into other shows. Yeah. Yeah, just like a record isn't really supposed to be just random songs thrown all together into one mass that's released on the same day. It's supposed to have some fucking feel to it. You know what I mean? And each tour is supposed to be built on a package that has like a feel to it, like the Punch You In Your Face tour or the Let's Chill Out and Stare At Our Shoes While We Play Guitar tour. And you guys like you got you guys got that and you made that tour fun. Cool. Dude, Thank I, you very much. Thank you. Dude, I'll, I love I'll be honest with you. We did hundreds of tours, and I only remember a few of them for the the packages. Do you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's and all, that. Well, that blows my fucking mind. So thank I'll you never very much. It. Um, yeah, that's I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Wow, <laughs> you guys yeah. were you guys were fun. That's why that's why your band is great because like the the songs were good and you guys were good and it was fun. Like it was a well packaged piece. That's why everybody loved we, your band. Yeah. Thank you. We tried. We tried. But yeah, that's why we yeah, that's why we loved you and that's why we were so eager to be on that tour was because we knew that you were going to fucking kill it every night and we half of us, well, I say half of the reason we did it was literally to watch you guys every night and the other yeah. half was to play to play a gig. So um yeah, we had we had such a good time on that and yeah, what you're saying about like, you know, people m might have mis misstrewed your shyness or whatever for you know whatever i never got that from anybody in the band i don't think i, th I think cool but our thing is i think we've all we always try to just just treat everybody nicely and normally rather than you know put everybody on like you were on a pedestal to us there's no there's no denying that but we we still you know at the end of the day we're all normal people and yeah. um yeah we just we were just chuffed to be there with you guys and you guys seemed to enjoy it and yeah it was it was awesome um yeah, it's one of my favorite one of my favorite tours I ever did. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, yeah, I I got to know your set. Like I got to know your set, which is why whatever festival we did with you guys, like two years later, Slam Dunk. No, was no, it Slam Dunk? Slam, no, we did Slam Dunk at the end of that tour. I think I think we did a couple of dates. Yeah, we did those dates together. Then we did Slam Dunk. Yeah, yeah. It might have been Slam Dunk a couple of years later though yeah, as well. Yeah, because we were in some weird building. You guys had a dressing room off of some. To tower or stairwell or something i remember thinking i want to see these guys because i want to see what they do different than the tour we just did you know what i mean like these are guys that are going to constantly try to up themselves rather than just do the same show here here and there so yeah that was fun fun times uh, yeah oh cheers thank you very much <laughs> yeah. um well um well sean's sean's mentioned that tour in particular a few times on the podcast um in the past i mean is there any other memories that kind of come to mind from you two playing shows um, that the slam dunk thing I, re I remember because I had to run across. It feels like, uh, where was it? Was it the Birmingham one or uh, wherever it was? I had to run across town to see you guys, and something, something broke. 
Am I thinking oh, about about I it right, Sean? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know because yeah, the blackout <laughs> literally had a motto: "If it can go wrong, it will go wrong." So there's yeah. a good chance something did break because it always broke. Yeah. Wh- whatever it was, I was either doing an interview across the across the way and heard you guys start, or realized you guys had started, and I remember sprinting through <laughs> uh, whatever part of town or a crowd to to see you guys. I think shortly after. Well, I don't, I don't really know. But shortly after is when some of the Epitaph folks were talking to us about you guys. Oh, nice. And, yeah, uh, we did, yeah, we did a record with Epitaph in, yeah, 2009, I think. So, yeah, it would have yeah. been after that. So, yeah, yeah, I just so, remember, yeah, it was always fun to be a cheerleader for, for other bands. And I loved, I loved seeing your band. Oh, cheers. That genuinely means the absolute world to me. This has turned into a real love fest now. <laughs> and I, and, and yeah. I love it. And I love it. And I love it. Um, and as, as far as memories go, I'm pretty sure I still have. I I, st- I think I still have James's guitar pick. The fact the fact Aww. that you know him as James, yeah. is absolutely insane to everybody listening to this because everybody listening to this knows him as Angry Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, nah, that's, man. that's bonkers. Um, how did playing with Goldfinger come about? Like I know you obviously worked with John on um, the early Story of the Year albums. Um, yeah. Yeah, how, how did that come about? Could you tell us? Uh, yeah, John. I met John in uh, 2002, three or whenever it was. We did the Page Avenue record together. I was the new guy at the time, um, but but we hit it off uh, immediately because of our love for the Police and um, and staying in a couple other bands. But our our approaches were very similar. The guitar player in that band is um, has the opposite approach as far as like songwriting and, and everything as John and I do. So John and I hit it off uh, uh, immediately because he had been tracking some stuff before I was in the band. And when I got in there, we talked about uh, the, the philosophy of singing and the bass playing and, and the drums and all that. And we just we just clicked and um, stayed in touch. There was a, a couple years there that were uh, a little bit strange, but we always stayed in touch and we always had each other's back no matter what or no matter what was going on. And I was randomly in Texas for a, for a wedding. I got a phone call. And I'm like, what is Feldman calling me for right now? And he says, hey, dude, I don't even think he knows, you know, how close Missouri is to Texas or not close. And he goes, do you have your guitar? And I was like, no. And he goes, uh, can, can, you, can you fly to so-and-so city and play Goldfinger tomorrow? And I said, uh, no, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. And he's like, dude, we can rent a guitar. And um, I was like, oh, is it opening? Is it like a half hour set, 40 minutes set? And he's like, no, we're playing an hour and a half. We're headlining some you know, badass place. And I was like, dude, uh, I don't think I can do it in this short notice. But long story short, I ended up flying out to a Denver gig and playing it last minute and playing some 18 songs, a couple of which I had never even heard before. But I'm throwing harmonies on it. I'm doing backflips in the, in the spaces. I'm, um, I'm trying to keep up, you know, because that style of playing is so very different than what I was doing with uh, Greek. Greek Fire had just started and through the year was well into, you know, a 10 year career by that point. And uh, I kept up, I guess, good enough. Um, And if you haven't listened to Goldfinger as a musician, like you're listening to the instrumentation, you're not going to realize like how badass it really is. Like it's badass stuff, especially the bass playing and all that. And I learned it real quick. And then when I got home, I was like, man, I, I want to learn this stuff like a lot better. And I'm glad I did because like the next week, and I thought it was filling and it was, I was just filling in because they needed somebody right then for, for that gig. And like the next week he calls like two days before I was like, Hey, 
can you, can you do the same thing in this random city? And I was like, sure. Yeah, great. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what it was. It was, uh, so we, we, I had done a couple gigs playing guitar and like, I was killing it, but I thought I was like filling or whatever. A couple months goes by, maybe a year goes by and Goldfinger was, really wasn't doing too much. And I get another call and he says, Hey, in three days, can you play Panama? And I was like, Panama, like the city or like Panama, like the country. Well, Panama, he's like, the song. country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I could do all and he goes uh can you play panama and i was like the country fuck yeah i want to play panama i've never been to panama that's awesome so I, you know kind of sharpen up on the guitar stuff and, and i got a couple things i can add to it. i'm just getting better and better in this style and um the day before i emailed the manager and was like hey uh, I just want to let you know I'm only taking one guitar or no, no, I, I like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to fly out at this time instead of this time. And they said, uh, the, the manager emails back and says, uh, are you taking one bass or two? And I said, uh, I'm playing, I'm playing guitar like I always have. And, and, and I'm taking one guitar and she goes, uh, no, 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 you're playing bass for this gig. And I was like, Holy <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude. So, like, I had, I don't know, eight hours before I had to go to sleep and catch this flight to learn all the bass. And, dude, Kelly's bass lines on, the, on, these, on these songs are just, like, rippers, dude. They're rippers. So, I flew down to Panama and played maybe the worst show of my career, but I, I played bass, and I, and I cruised through it, and I, I do love playing bass, but it was, it was tough stuff. And then, sure enough, you know, maybe, like, 10 gigs later, all filling gigs, I thought. I'm out at John's house, and it's me and John, and uh, and I think Mike Mike was there. Mike Mike Herrera was playing bass by this time regularly, and he he was kind of doing the same thing. Like thought it was filling stuff, and um, a photographer's there, and he's like, I think we had tracked a couple songs or something, and he says, uh, Hey, you know, get over here. We're gonna do some of the the photos over here. And I was like, Okay, I'll I'll head over by the pool. And he's like just told you to head over here for the photos. Like that's a band photo shoot. And he's like, you're in the band, dude. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I found out I was in Goldfinger at the photo shoot. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. I had no, I had no idea. Like, we had just been doing it for a, no, a number of years and it, it all clicks. I mean, John has built a super group around him of mm. all, of all front men, multiplayers you know what i'm saying yeah. and it, it just works dude and charlie's back in the band now and he's the og dude with john you know playing guitar uh so we got the cred uh we got the musicianship and it's just it's fun if you ever seen goldfinger you you'll be able to spot all the stuff story of the year ripped off a of goldfinger as far as li <laughs> live shows like goldfinger it dude john is older than all of us and he's crushing all of us all of us, like on stage, I look around and go, God damn, he's running more than I do. Now I got to pick it up. You know, I got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel lazy. He does, man. He makes you feel lazy no matter what, dude. If it's in the studio, if it's on the stage, like John is a machine, dude. He's a machine and he's inspiring to be around. Yeah, we spoke to him not long ago and uh, he, he sang your praises. Mm. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, uh, unbelievably. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, He's quite the character, and um, he likes his caffeine as well. He's a big fan of the caffeine, I've noticed. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, was, he, he only had lovely, lovely things to say about you. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and he was actually um, mentioning that you've all just kind of finished up recording bits for a new Goldfinger album. 
Yeah, I didn't know we were able to talk about that. So yeah, that's <laughs> good, good to hear. Uh, yeah, we worked on it as soon as as soon as the well, we, it had already been um, kind of started in the process. But the, the the lovely thing about Goldfinger is there's no real timeline. Yeah, un, until it gets in John's forehead, like in, in the for, in the forefront of his thinking, it will be done in lightning speed if he wants it to be. You know what I'm saying? So there's a couple things that we were all just sort of passing around uh, before that. And then the pandemic hit and we started doing these really fun quarantine videos from our from our houses and our little basement studios and that kind of stuff. And dude, it was so much fun that it just kind of lit a fire under everybody's ass and we all just wanted to do stuff. And, um, and he's a machine, dude. He writes like 18 songs a day and like 16 of them are dope. And it's just uh, it's amazing. Like the, the the guy is incredible, and um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a cool ass record. I don't know if you've heard our our last record, but mm. it's got it all. It's 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 got energy. It's got ska. It's got punk. It's got real talk as far as lyrics go. Um, it's just so. I, I'm just so. I'm such a fortunate dude to be able to make music that people hear and maybe helps people through something or whatever. But I'm even more fortunate to be able to do it with people that are just better than me. Um, that that pushed me to be better. Yeah, it's fantastic to see how kind of things have come full circle as well. I mean, obviously working with John as a, as a producer on some of the early records you've made, and now making records with him as a band member. Yeah, dude, it's um, it, it's it's a unique experience for sure. Just because you you know, like I, I'm when you're when you're in there working with him for your thing, you he is one of those producers that you are you create a vision and you create a song and you do something because uh, Greek fire is probably most successful single um, ever was done at, at John's house. But it was a song that I had written and wrestled with for uh, weeks. Y you know, like Sean, like w when you, when you do a song and it like, it clicks and it's all there and magic, like you're pulling inspiration from the gods, you, you know, like, like, God is speaking to you and you just happen to be able to decode it in that moment. But then there's some songs that are just assholes and you oh, wrestle yeah. it and you're like, this is the worst song ever, but you know that it's worth fighting and you just wrestle it and wrestle it. And this was one of those songs and I thought I had it and I go in and Feldman's doing me a favor. He's just going to kick me a day and Greek fire is going to do the song and I uh, show it to him and he goes, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's okay. And when he says that, I know, he's thinking beat that and it's not worth it. And he goes, you need a chorus. And I was just shattered, dude, shattered. But the thing that you do when you record with John is he's a producer that, you know, is one of the very few objective thinkers. And he has the talent to be an objective thinker when it comes to, when it comes to a song. Yeah. You're the artist, you're the visionary, you have the vision for it, but the job of a great producer, and this is just, articulated perfectly uh, to me by a guy that's actually working on the Goldfinger record is an engineer named John Graber. The, uh, the idea of a, of a, of a perfect, is the objective voice for the song. He's not there to serve the artist. He's not even there to serve the vision of the artist. He's, he, he's there to hear a song that you've presented an idea of a song, a, a structure and be the objective voice to get the, the best out of that song and be like, like you've created the ship, but you have to trust him to be at the helm and you just 
you're you're now like swabbing the decks or or raising the sails, but you're doing whatever the dude at the helm is telling you to do. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, some yeah, producers yeah. think that they have that, but they don't have the skill to back it up, and you end up with dog shit. And then, then the artist is angry for good reason because your song sucks and blah 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 blah. John is one of the few guys that has legitimately earned it through talent, work, experience, whatever it is, um, that he is an objective voice to a song, and he's serving the song and not you, which is why a lot of people probably don't work well with that style guy because they're so in their head that, that they're the best visionary for their vision. I know that sounds really silly. You know, like you vision and you shouldn't be leading it, but sometimes you shouldn't. And with, uh, with, with John, it's really fun to work with him as a band and as a front man and as a lyricist and as a this and have him tell me that it's total dog shit because I trust him. And I rewrote that song overnight, top of the world. I rewrote it overnight sit, sitting up on his purple couch in his, uh, in his little writing room. And I, I tracked it the next morning at 9am and uh, cause he's up with caffeine, like you said, and he's <laughs> like, let's track it. And I tracked it and I hated it so much because I had wrestled it. And I thought it was, I thought my redo couldn't be as good as the one that I put weeks into. And I didn't listen to that song for a year because I thought it was something that I hated. Oh, wow. And then wow. we showed a buddy of ours and he turned around and said, that's the greatest song you've ever written. And we released it and it was in a Disney movie and all this other stuff. And it changed the whole presence of the band. And it's because Feldman told me that my chorus was shit. <laughs> but, but, I, but I trusted him. So when it comes to Goldfinger stuff, when he tells me like I'm doing something that's the wrong flavor, he's right. I just get rid of it. And whatever. And, and I'm, dude, I'm a stubborn A-type when it comes to my vision. I think I'm probably the smartest guy I know, blah, 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 blah. But when Feldman tells me I'm doing something that doesn't fit with a song, he's fucking right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of people listen to this, and especially in bands, like they think like the producers, like a lot of people just think a producer's like a glorified engineer. Sometimes they than- are. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That is that is the case. That is the problem. There are glorified engineers calling themselves producers, but yeah, like like you said, the the whole idea of a producer is to get what's best for the song. At the end of the day, you're all there to make the song as best as you can. And yeah, there's a lot of people whose egos can't take criticism like that. Like I remember the first time the blackout ever worked with a producer. We worked with a guy called Jason Perry, and I remember him telling me. He literally dissected a song and I walked out the practice room and I was like, boys, we can't have somebody come in and just take our songs and just turn them into something else. And then I went back in and I listened to the song again and I was like, oh, it's 3000 times better. (laughs) Why didn't I like, why was I so like, I was, I was hung up on it and I listened back and I was like, oh no, he's right. He's absolutely right. So yeah, it's a weird thing. The, uh, yeah, the producer role. Um, it's really, it's really difficult, man. It's like a fine line. There's a skill of a writer. You have to develop the skill of when to hold your ego precious and, and when to like drop it. And I know that sounds dumb, but like you, you got to like practice that, man. You got to like practice knowing when you're right and knowing when you feel like you're right, but you probably, but you, but you may not be. When to have a, when to take a leap of faith and when to like hold on to your faith in yourself is such a critical skill that almost all of us miss through our twenties, which is probably why I'm I'm always preaching. Even though I got a twenty two year old married daughter, I'm always preaching like, don't get married in your twenties because you're fucking full of shit. <laughs> you haven't figured out when you're full of shit and when you're not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that goes for everybody. Me too. I got married and shouldn't have in my twenties. Like it takes practice to realize 
who you are and what you know or don't. I'm 39. I'm a total fucking fool. <laughs> yeah, the idiot gang. With the idiot gang. Um, uh, but speaking of practicing stuff, one thing I did want to talk about is in all your projects and bands and stuff over the years, you've always had kind of different roles or jobs or kind of standpoints in all of them. I mean, you've been a main vocalist, guitarist, bassist, keyboardist. I mean, the whole lot. Has that just been something that's ended up by accident over the years? Or have you just always kind of had had a desire to, to do everything in every instrument? I mean, how has that whole structure wor- worked out? Uh, you know what? That's like, that's one of the best questions I've ever had because you're right. Like I, I feel like one of the few guys that's done multiple bands, um, and multiple instruments within the same bands and, and with different bands, uh, that is all by accident for sure. <laughs> um, as a kid in high school, I was late to the instrument game. Uh, my parents thought it was it would be a fad if I wanted to, you know, get a guitar. So they rented a guitar, but only after I got good grades for X amount of time and all this kind of crap. But I was, uh, I was dedicated to the guitar until I got good enough where I was like, I, I really want to play the bass um, only because my, my best bud when I first got my guitar was a drummer. He's a drummer for, for Greek Fire. So we had guitar and drums and we learned every Rage Against the Machine song. As soon as I was prolific in everything age, I was like, I want to play bass. So I got a rented bass and did this whole thing again. And I taught myself how to do that. And then I realized how much craft goes into bass playing. And it became much more fascinating to me than guitar, which then helped me. The only lessons I ever had was with this uh, brilliant musician here in St. Louis, just absolute brilliant. And I went in and I was like, I don't give a shit about theory. I, I, I learn by ear. I can pick anything out on any instrument. I'll, I'll be able to decode the instrument enough to give you some Mary Had a Little Lamb and, and and be able to like work my way through it. And he's like, okay, cool. Then just sit down. And we put headphones on. He started a drum loop and he would just start soloing on his guitar and he would just write out like a basic scale and say, okay, just jam. And honestly, that like five months or whatever of once a week jamming taught me the importance of every little nuance in the song, the, the speed, the tempo, the delivery, the, the guitar tone during his solo, what how I'm supposed to play the bass in this simple scale to serve his solo in the moment. And then when he slows down, like it it just, my mind got to take off and really feel what a song is supposed to be when it's broken down. And, um, the only reason I really played bass is because we wanted to be a band so bad so we could play our high school battle of the bands. And we, and I knew that, probably easier to find a guitar player than a good bass player. So if I know how to play both, if we find a guitar player, fuck it, I'll be a bass player. If we find a bass player, fuck it, I'll be a guitar player. We just happened to find a bass player at the time. So I became a guitar player. After that, I was in bands, 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 you know, and we always would just fill in the bass spot if it was needed. And the Greek fire bass player was like our second bass player ever. So by default, I became a guitar player and got good and started, you know, hone the craft of guitar playing. Um, I never sang a note in front of another human being before the age of 21 because I was so fucked up about my voice because I've made fun of about my voice my whole life. So I was really insecure. I was really scared of it. I was scared of the exposure and the vulnerability of singing. Um, And the only reason I did it is because 
our singer quit. We had a fill-in guy. We booked a show. We played with this fill-in guy, and the fill-in guy was so fucking bad. By the second song, I just took the mic and started singing the part. So I forced myself real quick to be able to play and sing at the same time at the age of 21, and within like a year and a half, uh, I was touring the world with Story of the Year. Mm. Wow. So it was like, yeah, but I but I always focused on everything, even drums. I try to learn the drums. I'm not good at all, <laughs> but I know I know all the basics. And okay. I basically I I always saw at ten years old I was hired by Garth Brooks to to want to do music, to want to perform music. Like I was a country dude, and Garth Brooks like changed my life, set me on the trajectory. So instruments were nothing that I cared to master. I only needed them as a means to an end to, to create something that would affect people. This one moment in this Garth Brooks special affected my emotions so much. And I was not raised around music. Um, I was adopted. My parents weren't into music in any sense uh, as far as rock or instrumentation or any of that. And um, I just wanted to be able to have the power to move somebody emotionally like Garth Brooks did to me when I was 10 in 1991. So instruments were just a way for me to figure out how to do that. You know what I'm saying? They're not precious to me. So like when, when guitar players are like, you don't practice enough. I was like, I feel like I practice just enough. Like I'm good. I'm good enough <laughs> at what I want to do. Like, yeah. who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to do with this instrument? This is for me, motherfucker. I don't do this for you. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to write things that moved me and maybe moved somebody else. That's that's the only dream I've ever had with any of this. And then well, you did. And then you have <laughs> several several million times, I'd imagine. Like that's happened now. Like you've you've given people inspiration. You well, me. You've given at least me. But I know Morgan loves story. You know, there's loads of people that you've gone on and done that. And um, I noticed on your YouTube earlier, there's um, a Garth Brooks cover that you did, and the f the the cover of it is you and Garth Brooks. Did you have you have you got to meet him? I did get to meet him, man. Last year, um, I uh, I actually while Goldfinger was in Australia, I had to be home for a couple other things, and my um, my girlfriend at the time, who is upstairs right now, uh, she surprised me with Garth Brooks tickets. And this is the dude. I mean, this is the dude. This is the he is the reason that I play music for a living. He's the reason I'm sitting here. He's the, he's the reason for all that. This one moment, this one inspirational moment. And um, I have known his nephew for like 20 years now. Oh, wow. But 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 <laughs> when he was introduced to me, when he was introduced to me, they're like, hey, this is Mike Brooks. This is Garth Brooks nephew. And or they, they were like, he was in another part of the room. They're like, that's Garth Brooks' nephew. And my brain went like this. Okay, A, he's either totally full of shit because what's Garth Brooks' nephew playing drums in this band with me for, you know? Or B, he actually is Garth Brooks' nephew and I'm never going to mention it in, in my life. I will never <laughs> mention him. I don't, I, I don't want to ask any questions because he was like, he's like, say, you want to talk about a guy on a pedestal? That is my guy on a pedestal. The only dude that's never like let me down as far as like, uh, you know, inspiration musically and a guy and all of his business decisions and this and that. Like, I love this guy. So I am not going to pick this guy's brain. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to hear anything bad. I don't want anything. And I don't want him thinking that I care about him only because of his uncle. Because I really like this guy. He's a good guy. And we uh, had just kept in contact over the past couple of years here and there. And when he announced his tour, Mike, uh, Garth's nephew, texted me and said, Hey, man, there is no bigger Garth Brooks fan 
that I know just from the radio show, from me talking about it here and there, I'd never talked to Mike about it. And he's like, uh, and I think um, you're the only person that's never tried to get something from me because of my uncle. Wow. Wow. He flat, flat out said that and was like, I would love to offer you the opportunity to come sit with my family during the show. <laughs> and all I thought was, uh, first of all, this is all surreal. I still don't know what to say. And he's like, no promises, you know, because like, we don't know what's on the schedule is his first tour and whatever it was, you know, 20 years or something. So who knows what's going to happen, but usually he gets a little bit of family time to hang out. Cause a lot of his family is here in St. Louis. And sure enough, dude, that day, he texts me and says, why don't you come on down to the stadium or, you know, to, to, the, to the dome? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll be right there. But I come down and I'm just standing there and I'm thinking like, maybe I'll get to see sound check from like the nosebleed section or something. And I'm thinking, I don't need any of this. I'm just so excited that, that my girl got me tickets and I'm going to get to see him live. Like I'll get to sing along with him. I might get emotional about talking about it right now. And then I walk in and this tour manager starts talking to me and he's like, hey, you know, going to walk down here and just show you the stage. And I was like, oh, this is so dope. I get to see the freaking stage. I'm, I'm losing my mind. He goes, Mike's going to be in there. And I go in there, dude, and I see Mike and I jump on his back. I'm like, this is the coolest, dude. And I'm looking around and I hear this guy go, is this the Phil I've been hearing about? And I look over, dude, and it's, and it's Garth, and I, I, I don't, I freaking melted, dude. I'm not, I just got I'm goosebumps. Not, I got I'm goosebumps. Not, I'm not even that guy. I'm not an intimidated fella. Nobody intimidates me, really. And, and I, um, I, I just, I, I shook his hand, and, and, I, and I thanked him. I told him, hey, man, because of you and a moment that you did in 1991 on this one special, I, uh, I have been able to feed my children through music through doing music and doing pouring my passion into music because of a moment that you did for me and he starts crying and i i'm, I'm losing it dude and what? like oh my god he instantly takes my phone puts his number in my phone and says if you want to talk about songwriting or family or any of that just just let me know just text me feel free this is my cell phone and i just went i mean i didn't know what i said I, like, there's a couple <laughs> pictures of us talking and we're just hanging and dude he goes, I'll be right back. I got to go sound check. So he goes up and he's sound check. He asked me uh, some of my favorite songs, if I've ever done some of his songs. And I tell him some of the like the straight album tracks that are just like my jams, you know? Yeah. He goes up there and he starts sound checking on acoustic my songs. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm losing my brain because I'm getting a one-man show. I'm in a fucking a, a stadium that holds 65,000 people later. And it's just me and his family. And I'm staring at, the man that started it for me. Wow. And then, then the band comes up and they start playing. And this is the same band that was in 91. These are the same guys. I recognize them. I'm just losing brain, man. And, and I'm like, I'm quietly just like soaking this in. And all of a sudden the thunder starts from the thunder rolls. And the thunder rolls is the song, is the moment that played in that video in 91 that, that changed everything for me. And he says, he says, hey, Philip." Hey, where's Phil? Get him up here. And all I thought was, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't remember the fucking words. I'm not going to remember the words. I'm not going to remember the words. I panicked, dude. And, um, but sure enough, they dragged me up there. I walked up. And as I'm approaching the mic, he says, you, uh, I'll do the first verse. You do the second verse. And all I thought was, no, I'm not going to do this. 
No, like, I'm not doing that. I'm, not I'm doing shaking that. for the first time since I was a kid, and I look at him and I go, "No, no, no, I got the first verse." <laughs> I went Garth off of his own song after he invited me up. <laughs> I got, yes, I, I got the first. So I took it, but it's not in my range. It's so low, and. um I did it and I was like, oh man, I suck. This is super underwhelming. I can hear how bad I am. Like it's not, it wasn't on. I was pitchy. It's not in my range. There's no power. There's no, you know, gumption to it. And then he does the chorus and uh, he comes back in and he does the third verse and he tells me to take it. And uh, when I took the chorus, I jumped it an octave. So I did it in my range, but even like up there, like, like gospel singer, like, ah, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I brought home the thunder rolls in my octave and he, you know, he's yelling like, yeah. And, and I, I got the whole thing. Somebody uh, filmed it. One of our friends, Alan filmed it and sent it to me. I have never posted the video because I, I want permission from Garth to do that. And, and, and I haven't gotten permission. Um, but the video has been posted and I is up on the Riz show. Search uh, Risho Moon Garth Brooks story. It's it's on the YouTube. You can hear the whole thing, and you'll hear like even more details in the story. It's 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 worth a listen, dude. Rizzuto show R I Z Z U T O, and uh, Moon Garth Brooks. Story. But dude, that was like it's in a lifetime thing for me. Not just because of him and personally meeting him, uh, but because like he's legitimately on a pedestal for me in, in a healthy way, in a good way. He's never let me down in that sense. And then the man was gracious enough to have me be a, have him be a personal part of my life for a few minutes there. And like, that doesn't, it just doesn't happen. These, these things don't happen. You know what I mean? They don't line up like that. Not, not that perfect. And, uh, and I, and I got to live it and I'm, I'm forever thankful to him and Trisha and, and Mike and their family um, I got to eat lunch or dinner with their family and they come from just an amazing stock of people that just have grace and like humility and, and love. And it was just, it was, it was magic, dude. It was magic. He shouted me out during the show and I started crying and I'm not a crier. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, it, it's like close to breaking me right now. So <laughs> Yeah, I got um, yeah, I got I got goosebumps. <laughs> I got goosebumps for you during that. That's um, that's such yeah. a yeah, that's awesome. Such a heartfelt story. Yeah, so good to see that. Like you'd be able to to connect like that with him. Well, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't like you know, you know, to somebody you like you've li you are literally somebody's Garth Brooks, right? Somebody loves you so much, like you're you you have been you have been the inspiration to people to do that. And people don't think that people in bands have those moments with with their heroes. So oh, right, it's, right, it's right. yeah, it's such an amazing story to hear. And yeah, it was that's amazing. I'm chuffed. Yeah, thanks. I'm chuffed. Yeah, it's, it's pretty special. <laughs> and the the crazy thing is too, like I'm not a guy with heroes. Like I don't I don't have like those kind of guys. You know what I mean? But because he was a part of that moment, that really changed uh, my childhood as far as like. I, I had never seen a concert. I, I didn't even know what the concept of a concert was at 10 years old. And most people in our business, rock and rollers, they, they were raised by rock and rollers. You know what I'm saying? Or they were raised by fans of music or and they were showing them Zeppelin when they were kids or showing them this or that. I, I never had any of that. I had ground zero, dude, until like my teen years when I found it on my own. So that was the very first experience I had heard and seen performed music or any performance that like, 
made me feel something and it moved me. And I just thought, I was, I was like, what the hell was that? You know what I mean? It was like a wind that I had never been told of. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What a story. Outstanding. Absolutely amazing. Um, but like going back to many of the projects you've been involved with and, and stuff, you, you've mentioned Greek Fire quite a few times. I think it's safe to say that when you started the band in 2008, that it was kind of like a side project at the time because you were so busy with, with everything else going on. But in recent years, it seems that you've been busier as ever with Greg Fire, put out a new record last year. How, how is it being having that as like a full focus in, in your viewpoint with everything it's been really wonderful for me it's been it's good it's been good for my life it's been good for my mind and my heart and my soul more importantly because it's never been a side project although it can looked at like that yeah. and, you know you got to market it like that here and there but like in 2008 and 9 story at, at that point was a, a, a democracy um but the songwriting was uh, was done as a group, but obviously led. We wanted to, we wanted it to be led as far as lyrics go uh, by our singer because he's the one that has to sing it. He's the one that has to believe it and and enforce it, if you will. You, you know what I'm saying? Like the the, the beliefs or, or the concepts or the themes uh, that are being explored. Although that was like a a group think uh, for the most part uh, that that project is sort of a group thing so there's 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 giving and there's giving and there's taking when it comes to what's important to focus on here lyrically what's important to focus on here musically and that didn't always line up with me um uh, i mean i always backed it and was always a part of it and obviously and all that but as far as what my soul wanted to print if i were to write a an essay or or, or a book that that i'm going to leave behind where my kids have like a breadcrumb trail of my beliefs or a breadcrumb trail of what i what i was going through or or what i wanted to represent that others around me were going through or whatever it may be whatever your 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 point is for being a musician once you actually have to say why what am i doing why am i doing it and what do i want to to last because I mean, it, in my experience, and tell me, you guys tell me if this is your experience or not for you or, or through others, at some point in a young musician's life, like you have this need almost to like make a mark. And it's not because you want fame. It's not because you want money, but mm. it's because like maybe you feel like you were, you were undervalued or, or, um, or discarded in your youth or something, but, but you feel this need or this calling, whether it be spiritual or, or, or just culturally to leave a, a legacy or like it's, if something, if you, if you died now or even later, like you want something about you to live longer than you, you know, this mortality, like, but, but it's like a youthful way of looking at mortality and story didn't exactly represent all of what I wanted to do. Obviously it represents a lot of stuff, um, uh, and uh, with Greek, there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to say from, from my past experiences or from things that I was experiencing or things that I wanted to explore that weren't really for story of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like, lyrically speaking, story was what it was and it was connecting with a certain uh, uh, type of person and all that. And, and I, wanted, I just wanted more. I, I wanted more. So Greek became my outlet, my journal. Uh, if you will, lyrically speaking, that I was really able to control um, visually. And I was surrounded by guys that, that understood that and allowed that and helped me do that. And, and they did it in spectacular fashion. And for a time there, we were really lined up with the focal points of, of what I think 
or, or what I thought at the time needed to be said in rock and roll. You got to remember, man, 2008, you, you want to talk about no guitars in rock and roll right now. In 2008 or nine, there were even fewer guitars. <laughs> if that, I mean, do you remember? Like that was the downturn of like yeah. even rock bands weren't rock bands all of a sudden. And it wasn't cool to be a rock band. Like it was not cool to be a rock band in 09, uh, uh, 2010. The closest thing we had was like Kings of Leon and Kings of Leon is, is badass and awesome, but it's a, it's a very narrow scope of rock and roll. And, and I was trying to get back to more of that like 70s, 80s and 90s blend of like, whoa, a band can, a band can do Welcome to the Jungle and November Rain and nobody's saying that this isn't a concise piece of art. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, you guys know as well as I do, like labels are like, you can't put a ballad on this song because, or on this record because it's not a concise record. People won't know what you are. And I, I totally get that principle and I get all that. But clear, clear examples where that's a fucked up mentality is bands like Guns N' Roses or bands like, um, like Led Zeppelin. Mm. As long as it's in the spirit of the original vision, yeah. you can do everything from an acoustic version to the most metal shit on earth. And it's, it can still be concise uh lifestyle band or brand or 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 piece of art and i wanted to try that with greek fire i wanted to really throw rock and roll into like phil collins to me he that motherfucker's rock and roll but if you <laughs> if you listen to it it's hard to say that it's rock and roll if you don't know what who the guy is or what he was trying to do you, you know what i'm saying so anyways greek fire i'm, I'm sorry to be rambling it's one of my tendencies but greek fire became like a uh an outlet for me to really like try to push myself and, and say something that my kids could maybe get a glimpse of their dad that I can't just up and give to them. That's nice. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. So what's, what's next for Greek fire? I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, this is, this has been an interesting year and I'll, I'll be fully honest. I'm not one of those, I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, Oh man, we're working hard and we're doing a bunch of stuff and uh, it's, it's going to be killer. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm not sure how we're going to approach this new world. Uh, we have songs that are done. And initially there was a trilogy called, um, well, it was a, it was like a dual thing with lost and found. I wanted to have like a, a concept of being lost and, and angry and frustrated and then being found. And uh, when we were writing the record found, I was going through a horrible divorce and, and just like absolute devastation and heartbreak and hurt. And I was like, I can't write a record called found when I'm like this. It's not honest. It's, it's super fucked. And uh, I, I wrote a record. Uh, we wrote a record called broken and all the lyrics were, were about being broken because that's where I was. And the band was being broken and, and I was broken. Relationships were broken ideas were being broken uh so that became like the middle trilogy and found is still yet to come and i have some songs that are that are that are done that are ready for that i just don't want to put out music just to put out i don't want to do it for the for the money i don't want to do it to, just to get it out like i want to do it when it feels like i'm found and the songs are are, are ready to be shared and they're going to have some impact but I don't know, man, like this world is freaking weird. The Spotify thing. And like, I haven't seen, I haven't even seen a CD <laughs> in months. I, I don't even know what to do. I, I have, I have more vinyl next to me than I do uh, anything else. And that's something that's kind of new to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, but I, I don't want to just do it because you're supposed to, or because timing is an issue. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I'm just fucking bored. I'm really bored with having to do things because we're supposed to 
or it's it's about time or people are tweeting at me like when is this record coming you know like <laughs> you said it would be here like i'm sorry but like i'm not serving you i'm i'm trying to serve i'm trying to serve the music and i'm trying to serve my family and and i'm trying to serve what just is right not what i'm told i'm supposed to be doing right now yeah. you know what i mean yeah like no, completely completely gave it, yeah it's like the nicest punk attitude ever it's like, don't, <laughs> it's like yeah. excuse me but don't fucking tell me what to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, i'll do it when i'm ready I'll yeah do it when i'm good and ready <laughs> that, that's I'll it. let you know and it, uh. exactly and it, until it's on my mind all the time no you know what i mean until i until i have the energy to really push it and to really pump it and to really check all the boxes ave the corners and make sure that that song is perfect i mean no no song is perfect but like until it's like until i have the energy to let it go i don't, i don't, I don't want to do it and 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 i got too many things going on to be 100% for anything right now um as as far as releasing music goes you know what i mean i'm i'm working on all country stuff. I got other stuff, you know, and maybe I'm juggling too many balls, but either way, like it's gotta be a hundred percent all or nothing. Nice. I like that idea. That's a very refreshing attitude to have, I mm. think, because we've had so many bands on here now. who are just, they're kind of scurrying because, because we're in the unknown, they're kind of scurrying to like make records and put records out just to keep themselves relevant and stuff. And then, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or to make money or let's do a live stream or let's do this, this video. Or this. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't like the feeling of being scrambled. I don't like the feeling of having to do something and not think it through a hundred percent. I don't like the feeling of having to do something half-assed. I'm I, like, I'd rather not do it than do something half-assed and I'd rather be criticized for it. I will play the villain. I've done it many times before. I don't give a shit what you think of me. I just don't care. I'm not, on your schedule that's it you know nice. what i mean yeah, right no. isn't that isn't that what we're all supposed to be saying and doing anyway like yeah. that's our heart yeah exactly but with all that as well i mean like obviously you've shared some story of uh, some stories of your time and story of the year but i really want to pick your brains about a couple of things because obviously you, know, you were part of that band for 15 years before your departure in 2018 and as sean mentioned i think a lot of people kind of see that band or the records you make as such a, as an iconic one in those years and inspiring a whole generation for you what some of the foundest memories when looking back on those early records and your time touring the globe and everything i mean is there is there anything that that comes to mind when you do have that time to kind of reflect but also before you go into that did you know when you recorded the first story of the year album did you kind of feel how unbelievable it was and and did you know that it was going to go on to you know inspire millions of people um well i'll start i'll start from from there um absolutely not uh i i, I knew that I was going to do whatever it is that I wanted to do, um, whether that was through skill or luck or, or a, a thousand other variables all lining up. I knew that at some point I will push hard enough and I have, the, the, I have enough talent and enough wherewithal to figure out things and learn things and I have the passion to learn things that I will be a success. And I, I you know, hitched my, my wagon to, to the other four guys because they all had a similar attitude. We all had the similar attitude and Feldman had the similar, a similar attitude too. Now this is before he was an enormous producer. He had just kind of started only done a few records 
in a small house at the time. We were riding next to a chicken coop because he kept rescuing chickens. Um, so like, it, it wasn't in some glamorous scenario where we're like, oh my God, we hit the big time. It was um, very much with a group of guys that knew that a record deal was literally the, just the beginning of the fight, uh, of the real fight. Now, you know, the bell has just rung, but we haven't thrown any punches yet. Um, so I knew that we would be a success in whatever ways that we wanted to be. I can't tell you what success meant to those guys, but to me, it meant being able to, to support my family um, in whatever way. And maybe I get to travel a bit with it too and bring my family. That's uh, the only thing I was thinking about. The only thing that I could really even dream of anyway, because I, you know, um, I wasn't in it for, I didn't even know that there was money. I didn't know how the money worked. I didn't know how fame worked. I, I didn't, I just didn't have time to think about this stuff. And I don't think the guys really did either. So did we think it was special? Yes. As we went song by song and part by part and, 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 and saw the process, it was going so quickly. But at the same time, like all of us knew that we had really good songs and we were working 24 hours a day on it for, for weeks and months. So we knew that like, yeah, man, we were doing really good stuff, especially for our age. We were, we were digging deep through our experiences and writing about our home. The reason it's called Page Avenue is because we missed home. We were writing the record in LA and we're all from St. Louis and we were missing the local aspects of our town. So we wrote those into as many um, parts of that record, obvious or, or, or at depth, uh, you know, kind of layered down. And we knew something was, was pretty special about it. Did we think it was going to be enormous and change the scene at the time? Fuck no. Like, nobody knows that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way. Uh, we were just happy to be a part of the scene and, and still going. We were still going forward. That's really all that was our mind. And when you're that young and dumb, like, you don't realize that there's any backwards or any of that kind of stuff. So we just pushed. And even, honestly, I, I will say we toured for two years straight. So to us, we toured, we toured for like eight months before that record even came out. Mm. Um, and we were begging people to take our three song samplers and like buy, buy stickers so we can fucking eat. You know what I mean? Like mm. we, we paid all those dues. Plus we paid years of dues before that doing the same things with our other bands. Even when we were selling tons of records and like the shows were enormous people, I would see friends and they're like, Oh my God, congratulations on the success. And, and radio stations are like, how's it, how's it feel to be an overnight success? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I haven't been home overnight like that would be awesome like that but that's not how the world works you know what i mean like like lincoln park was not an overnight success even though people thought that in like you know 2001 or, or 2000 2001 that band worked their ass off for months and years before they hit what i saw them open up for pod at mississippi nights in front of 700 people like <laughs> Open up. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody is an overnight success as far as rock and roll goes. So we worked really, really hard, man. It wasn't until we came off the road around 2005, the beginning of 2005, or, or yeah, I guess into 2004, beginning of 2005, when we realized like, whoa, like we did, we did that. And that's a monumental mountain we just climbed. A monumental, yeah. dude, unheard of. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. it was really eye-opening because we didn't see all that because we were working the whole time we were sleeping in buses and sleeping under chairs in airports and like it wasn't a glamorous or rich life it wasn't it wasn't that we were fucking working trying to like stay where we were um and it's some of my fondest memories it, I, it's fun that you say 
departure in 2018 because i was fired man like it, it was like departure yeah. is such a cute word yeah, <laughs> yeah we didn't really I didn't yeah, want no, we push buttons yeah, so i just really thought it's a, it's a word to say oh, no, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't need any cushions, cushions or niceties. Um, yeah, I was fired, man. It was my choice. And, and uh, I can't speak too much uh, about any of that, except for the, the post that I, that I did post. Pretty much the only public thing I have said ever about it. It was um, it's really sad. I, I was extremely sad. I'm still very, very sad that 15 years of, of work, of dedication and, and pure sacrifice on on all of our parts all five of us and even our crew members like we sacrificed so much of our lives from our from our children to our friends to our experiences to our relationships i mean many relationships that you know we were all married at the time back then and that's not the case anymore um so like we sacrificed a lot and we did it together and we did it for the sake of each other and, you know, sometimes based on the principles of loyalty, uh, some of us, including me, were offered much more lucrative and fun and awesome sounding positions in other bands, even bigger bands and, and all that. And all of us turned all those down uh, out of loyalty. So, so to be let go in that fashion at, at that time was profoundly disappointing um, and, and a bummer. Because even all the hardships, even the, the dip, um, even changing labels, even, even being at each other's throats as to what the band should sound like on this record or that record, the vast majority, and I mean vast majority of my experiences in those 15 years was amazing because I was able to travel the world and experience other cultures and, and it and, and other people and meet people that have uh, different passions, but because we line up in, in one common piece of ground, you know, like I'm able to learn about this person and about this country and about this world or about how this band works or how this business works or just anything and everything. The education that I got from the planet because of the success we had and the ability to tour the planet is one of the greatest gifts I'll ever have in my entire life. So, to discount that in any way because of the the bitter ending um, to my to my run with that and and it being not even my choice, you can't take away just the beauty in in that experience, man. And and it all comes down to it's not about like, wow, look, I'm playing my instrument in front of four thousand people, or look, we sold this amount of merch tonight, and that's cool. I don't remember any of that stuff. I I just remember the experiences that I had with people off stages um i remember so much more about off stage than i do on stage i don't really remember that much about on stage like people like what's your favorite show i was like i i only have a few that really stick out um the rest of them i could tell you like meeting this gal or this guy in the street after the show in uh brixton or or uh like the experience i had at king king tut's wawa hut outside just talking to the first scottish kids i had ever met you know what hmm, i mean like yeah. th those experiences and just having fun with like-minded people like that's what a concert is supposed to be the band leading a party of all like-minded people like we're all here to celebrate the same group of chords played in the, you know, in this way or in that way or an expression in the lyrics. You know, like it's a freaking camaraderie. It's a group. It's a religion. It's a cult. It's a whatever. But it's, it's like a social party, and and that's what um, that's that was just the magic of being uh, to a musician, no matter how far you go. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
yeah yeah no definitely definitely and it's it's great to hear that you look at back on it and and such a, a found with found memories and and stuff and everything because as you said like it's impacted so many people's lives but i know you can't really talk about it but am i right in saying that you kind of just found out that they wanted you to leave the band through for, for a manager like it, there was no uh, meeting or anything like that yeah there was there was zero meeting uh and i still have yet to hear from two of the members it was oh, wow. Just oh wow management management called the day after two sold out shows i played two shows and the following morning a manager called me to tell me that uh i had been let go after 15 what? years yeah, still still, still not even still haven't heard from two two of the cats but that's okay i mean that's uh, i think some people don't know what to do or mm. or, or any of that I, I don't know their thoughts and that's okay they they don't know mine and that's okay um except for you know i, I, will, I will publicly say um, i'm sad i'm disappointed it's an a- absolute shame but yeah that's how it happened okay uh but you know that's that's that, that's how the cookie crumbles yeah. um, it's okay man like i said dude even with the the strange and bitter bitter end right there like what what am i to do but to look back and go man what a what a cool life hmm. like what a cool life all of it all of us all of us deal with tragedies and, and sacrifices and all of that and that's just another mark on the board and there's far more amazing marks than, yeah. than bad ones mm. yes Eric. i love your positivity i absolutely love your positivity can, um, can i ask yeah. though can you tell us oh, here we go can you can you tell us about any of the positions from other bands you had to turn down Ooh. sure like which bands yeah yeah uh can i yeah. guess can i guess <laughs> can I, throw? I would love for you to guess right angels and airwaves no never never got an offer um, <laughs> no no i don't know why i'm so shocked by that like like i expect every musician to be offered to be in tom DeLong's band yeah um, no I've, yeah. I've known a couple of those guys uh but no it's n- it's never uh offered to me in that one that's that'd be a fun one though because because he's doing the u2 model and like greek greek fire kind of like after the u2 model as well so like i, I would we've paralleled many times with with tom's ideas nice um, who else who yes yeah. Oh no, oh. that was it. I, I was only going to throw that. In. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I just thought uh, well, Angel Name. One of my favorite bands of all time. Um, absolutely loved them on their first record. I played the crap out of them in the van when we were touring. I annoyed uh, my bandmates so much because I would not stop playing this Amberlynn record, and I wanted to take Amberlynn on tour so so badly. We finally got to take them on tour, uh, and the Nintendo Fusion tour. I got to sing on one of their records, and those are some of my best friends in this entire world, much less industry. Uh, I love those guys. I will forever have their back, no matter what. I owe those guys, and they asked me to join their band twice um and uh in hindsight i probably should have done it because loyalty don't mean shit apparently (laughs) but no i i I couldn't dedicate myself to their band and my band at the time um so i so i declined but that was really difficult because i love i love their band i love their band it's a perfect band you can listen to their entire uh, um, uh, cat- uh, catalog on-, on shuffle and there's no bad songs it's just it's smart it's good it's complex where it needs to be it's simple where it needs to be that's just a perfect fucking band man so i'm but the guy that they got is a better fit than me i mean he's he, christian is 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 the man he he came from acceptance another brilliant band and uh and that band is exactly where 
did, did exactly what they're supposed to do without me. So it's, it all, it all works out. That was a good one. Um, Oh, uh, when Steven had to go have a kid in the middle of a tour that they were doing with Switchfoot, he uh, asked me and Dan to come in and sing. So I got to sing for Amberlynn and be their front man for a number of weeks. And to this day, it, it is maybe my favorite touring memory of all time is being able to be the front man and singer for oh, Amberlynn. Wow. I love the lyrics. They gave me free reign to do whatever I do because my, my stage presence is extreme compared to Stevens and um, but being able to sing in my style and bring my color to uh, those lyrics and those melodies was just the most fun musical experience I've ever had and I'll, I'll forever owe them so much of my life uh, uh, because of that another band that I love a ton that asked me to be in their band I, and it might have been twice as well for this band was a band called Seosin remember those oh, dudes oh yeah Salesen, uh, when Anthony first left the band, uh, they asked me to sing for them. And I sang for four shows, I think, before they got Cove. Uh, they were testing out. Yeah, they were testing out Cove. And Cove actually did a song with us when I was singing for Salesen. And that's how Cove came into the band. Um, it, uh, it, it, it was fun. I love those guys. Um, that was just a, a an amazing experience that helped me like figure out how to be more of a front man and a singer. Cause I mean, every time I watched it back, there was a lot of stuff that I was doing wrong. Uh, but that was a band that was a band that like, again, when they got Cove and they did that Benson record and some other stuff, it was, was where they were supposed to be. And it was, you know, I, I, I turned it down. Cause like I said, I couldn't dedicate myself to both bands. Um, but that was, that was a proud moment is to be asked to be in that band. There's one that's kind of out there. And I've Ooh. never said it publicly, Ooh. which is crazy because there's a fun, interesting connection. One of my favorite metal bands from the 90s and still today, one of my favorite metal bands. And I'm neighbors with the guitar player, and he's one of the best guitar players in metal. He's one of the nicest men in rock and roll. He's one of the best guys ever. But when he left his band, I was friends with the drummer and the singer enough where the drummer... He didn't ask me, but he suggested on the phone. He's like, man, it would be just so cool if we had a guy like you in our band, like if, if you could be in our band. And all I thought was, if I wanted to chase that, I could get an invite out of him to, to, to at least to do a tryout. And that was a band called Seven Dust. The wow. Mighty <laughs> which is awesome. Which is awesome because Clint, the guitar player that left, is now back in the band and he's a good friend. Like he lives right down the road. Uh, so That's awesome though. Yeah, so that, that was cool. Um, the use has asked me, uh, to be in their band multiple what? times and, uh, yeah. And, and I helped, nice. um, I would like to say that I helped them find the better people for their, for their, for their fit. And had the timing been right, I would have loved to have been the used. Like I was this close. It's just the timing, the timing did not work perfectly but again that band is exactly where they're supposed to be and they're kicking ass still too so all it, it all happens and it all fits in in place and it's all about timing and and where you're supposed to be uh but it's it's cool for my ego and it's cool for the uh, for the bio to say that these bands like considered me yeah you know what yeah I mean? definitely that's awesome um Morg, are you uh, are you good? Well, just one more question for me now before we let you go because I, I appreciate you giving us your time, man, and stuff right in the middle of the day. Um, but f following on from a question I asked earlier, with all the instruments you've played and different roles and everything, how do you describe yourself 
with what you do? do is, is it just a jack-of-all-trades, simply a musician? Do you see yourself as a, more of a guitarist, more of a bass player? I mean, if you had to describe it, what do you see yourself as? Uh... I don't know. I guess um, an entertainer, because uh, again, like my my whole the the thing that changed my life, put me on the trajectory, and the thing that I wanted to do was to move people. I just wanted to move people and use um, my voice, and I don't mean my physical voice. I wanted to use my my voice, whatever my mind wanted to uh, instigate in your mind. I, I want to learn and I want to share ideas and I want to be a part of other people's learning and sharing of ideas. So if it's a guitar that, that puts me in front of you in order to do that, so I can be sort of provocative on your, in your brain, like that's, then that's what I'll do. If it's a bass, then, then that's what I'll do. If it's producing, which is what I've been doing recently, then that's what I'll do. Like, I just want to be good enough at all of it that when the avenue presents itself for me to be able to have those sort of exchanges with people whether it be a crowd or you know the public listening through spotify um i will take that opportunity to use that avenue now that probably actually a little bit here and there because people aren't sure what the fuck i am and in this to have like a concise brand Mm. but ultimately i think if people really care to look i have a concise brand and that's that i'm an entertainer and i would like to explore ideas and i can only do so many genres of music i'm not an opera singer so it's not you know it's not like I can do a thousand things. I can do a good number of things in a, in a certain type of music space. And I would just like to use whatever I can to share ideas, man. That, that really, it's what this is supposed to be about. If I can get paid and support my family, that's just a bonus w- with all that. Like, I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be famous. I don't care if you know my name. Um, I just want to be a part of the conversation, like a, like a, like a bigger conversation, a deep conversation, not just anger not just angst, not just sadness, not just this, not just that, not just false motivation or happiness. Like I want to be a part of real deal shit. And that's all encompassed emotions and experience and all that. So I, I'm just an entertainer, man. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, yeah. right? Yeah. No, definitely. No. definitely 100%. Yeah. I think you summed that up brilliantly then. That was, that was awesome. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you so so much for doing this. Thank you for giving us the time. We genuinely, re- we really appreciate this. It's thank been a you pleasure. for, um, yeah, thank you for taking the blackout out. Thank you for <laughs> the inspiration um, with everything you've done. Yeah, I've be, I've been lucky enough to follow you. Well, I've been probably following you since that tour, and um, yeah, seeing you grow has been amazing. So, uh, congratulations on everything. Hopefully, Thanks, one day the. Hopefully one day there won't be a virus and we get to do one of these in in the flesh. Yes, please. Yeah, dude. And, and likewise, man, when you guys started the podcast, I was I was so thrilled just because you've always been a hustler and, and it's like you're a hustler for all the right reasons and that's, uh, I feel like, I'm I'm of the same cloth, and uh, you know we got to have each other's backs, dudes. Like we, look at us, we're both doing podcasts today on yeah. International Podcast Day. <laughs> on and International like, Podcast Day, <laughs> yeah, dude. And plus, I I, li- I love following you and and everything that's going on over there, just because I'm such a fan of Britain in general, dude. Like the last time I was in Wales was some of the most beautiful countryside. I took a train through and I got to watch, um, I was down in Cardiff city. I got to watch the bluebirds. Oh wow! Uh, nice. Like did I did. I just absolutely, 
I love everything about over there. And my, my girl upstairs, like every month or so, she's like, when are we going back to the UK? When are we going back to the UK? I've had her, I've, I've helped her fall in love with everything on the island. And, nice. um, Dude, well, yeah, please let me know when you do come back over. Well, um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'd love to show you about. I'll say, let's all go to a, to a Cardiff City game. <laughs> well, wait there. What you don't realise, Morgan, is, and I've kept, I've kept this secret for the good hour yeah. that we've been talking, is uh, Moon loves Manchester United. But anyway, we haven't got time for that now. Oh, um, yeah, the guy. No, well, we haven't got time I'm for that, boys. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, just you two. Are, just yeah, fan. you two. No, you two are both avid Manchester United fans, yeah. and I'm super glad we haven't got to talk about it. Damn it! Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we can when we see each other in the flesh. That's yeah, the only way. Please, man. Yeah. Please. Um, no matter what happens, I will be back in your area next year. We're we're, we're coming. For, um, I'm coming for business or pleasure. Period. Nice, awesome. awesome. Well, please let me know, and um, yeah, I'll show you some spots in Wales. That would be. Um, I'd very much like that. Yes, um, please. Let me know when we're off air, and we'll we'll do uh, we'll do it in numbers so we don't lose yeah, contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, Thanks, yeah. Man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, cool. Thank you guys for having me. Yes, what a lovely human being Moon is. I'm quite jealous that you got to spend so long with him on the road. Lovely, lovely chap. Super, super good to talk to him after after what feels like years and years well it probably is years and years um <laughs> but to actually sit down and you know talk for like nearly an hour and a half two hours or whatever and just hearing his stories and stuff it was it was awesome it was really really good and i um got a lot a lot of t- i got a lot a lot of time for our moon she is our moon i got a lot of time have you noticed for the last three weeks now that's it's all been john feldman mentions Oh, so yeah. we had ep- we episode 99. This. We didn't plan this We had either. John Feldman. <laughs> episode 100, we had Simon Neal of Biffy Clyro talking about recording in LA with John Feldman. And then number 101, we've got Moon, who stands next to John Feldman while he plays in Goldfinger. <laughs> bonkers, like, absolutely bonkers. But thanks again to Moon Valjean. We had an absolutely cracking time. How good is that Garth Brooks story? Oh, amazing. I, I literally, as I was saying earlier, I think it's the best meeting your musical hero tale we've we've ever had because it wasn't even... Uh, is it? Well, well, Fred, there's you and Fred Durst and then there's this, okay? From from, from outside of you and I, it's the best story we've, we've had oh, of right. meeting a musical hero. Like, just to have that whole experience of him. Um, is absolutely insane. And of course, Moon is a giant Man United fan, as you let us know right at the end. So probably best you didn't say that early on, because it would have oh, been a fo- giant yeah. football chat. <laughs> you two would have been talking about your love for millionaire children and the shorts playing their hobbies like, I'm not interested, stop it. <laughs> but also, massive shout out to Marcus Rashford, the millionaire child who plays his hobby in shorts for perverts to watch, for actually holding the government to account and feeding children because what a bunch of scumbags but um, yeah thanks to Marcus Rashford thanks to Moon thanks to Morgan thanks to anybody at all whose name begins with M wow nice um, but mentioning <laughs> mentioning Moon as well um, don't forget that Goldfinger actually have a brand new single out right now called Wallflower and their new album apparently more information on that is going to be dropping very very soon so keep 
an eye on their social media pages, website, and all that malarkey, or just go back to episode 99 of Sapping Podcast, where John Feldman tells us a bunch of those secrets. But again, massive thank you to Moon. We had a blast. He's made some incredible records, and I love him very, very much. So if you've enjoyed this episode, head over to at Sapping Pod on Twitter and Instagram and tell us about it. Yes, that's at, that's the A with a little circle around it like a shell. Then S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. And yeah, let us know your thoughts on this week's podcast. Because I know I bloody enjoy it. There haven't been one I haven't enjoyed, to be honest. But uh, this this has been good. So thanks again to Moon. You've always been a legend. And it's just another one of those scenarios where... Before the Blackout started to do well, Page Avenue came out. And we were blown away by it. We were blown away by that used record that came just before it. And it's just, yeah, they went on to create a, an insane scene. So thank you very much to um, yeah Moon again for his involvement in this and the scene and for the music and for the stories and for the friendship and for the good looks. Yes. Thank you, Moon. Yes, and God knows I've spent many uh, emo night listening to Page Avenue as well. So thank you for that. Um, but a couple of very quick questions, Sean. Um, it's Halloween tomorrow at the time of recording this. I know we're in lockdown because we live in Wales. Um, but do you have any plans? Any spooky no. plans? No, nothing. No, no. To be fair, your life is quite spooky as it is. So you're just. What are you trying to say? You're just a you're king of the goths, isn't you? former king of the goths I think think. those days are behind us to be honest I'm slowly realising every day how far how far away I am from past glories but it's alright because we got this now and we're moving on Um, yeah thank you very much if you've been listening Um, if you've enjoyed this episode if you felt sad sad for me for even a millisecond then think about checking out patreon.com forward slash sapnet Yes, over there we have built a incredible community of lovely people who check up on it. Every everyone checks up on each other daily and has a great time. So if you need some new best friends or want some more bonus content, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash sapnin and become a wonderful part of the community. If you have no plans for Halloween, they're doing a gigantic Zoom. They're all dressing up in fancy dress. Um, I'm hoping someone dresses up as me. Um, oh god I don't know how you would do that but oh if anyone's listening and uh, carving pumpkins do us a sapling pumpkin like Morgan's head is literally <laughs> the perfect shape of a pumpkin if anybody's carving ugly fat carrots do one of my head <laughs> Yeah, but patreon.com forward slash sapnin it really helps us continue this and everything goes back into making this bigger and better but while we're talking about it if you head to the description in the, of this episode wherever you're listening uh, there are loads of names that we thank but we need to give a gigantic shout out to the elite members of our Patreon community those are the top tiers probably change their names to something funny to mess with us and Sean thank god not me again this week is going to read them out for you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yes. Thank you very, 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 very much to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwaway, Mitch Perry, Samantha Spray, Sarah Ollie Shat on the Table James, Emma Barber, Janelle Trico Tequila, Caston, Armadine Urbano, Kelly Only Lived for Darkness, and Peppermint Schnapps Under the Table Young, Dilla Florona Grimwood. Nathan Croshaw, Paul, it's not what you think, it's actually Ectoplasm Hirschfield. Drew, make me feel like a natural woman. Styles, Liam Connolly, Berserk, Sean, Sh- Sean Stein, Fugermeister. I don't know what that says. <laughs> Michael Engler, Oyers for Emo Chester, Tom U. Ting-tang, Walla Walla Bing Bang, Owen, Cat <laughs> Pescent, Amy Campion, Johnny Phillips, Katie Puttock, Scott, I used to be a werewolf, but I'm all right now. Ooh, Jones. Uh, Simon Amos, Jodie Shannon. This is a public apology to anyone who had to do a drunk Ollie last week. That was Ollie Amesbury. And once again, that's Ollie Amesbury who was on the group, absolutely steaming, having a laugh. Nice one, Ollie. Thank you very much to Kate Stevenson, Samuel R. Are going to die on Halloween, Griffiths. Jenny Sexy Boy Munster, Dana Lasnava, Lucy Diaz, Martina McManus, Emily Senegals, Kevin Clark, Erin Howard, John and Emma, Becky Andy, Killery, the 29th is my birthday, Mallory. Hey, oh, happy birthday! Pembroke happy birthday, Kelly Mallory. Thank you very much to Louis Cook, Nula Clark, Jason Heredia, Mike Canina, Marcy Jacobson, Craig Philbert Gibbert. Flibert Gibbert Harris, Sandra Kuwachek, James McNaught, Livy Cropper, Faye China, Kelly Emma Cannon, Tallulah Grant, Tony Michael, Sharifa Wadali, Stewie Stupidly, Stupefyingly Scary, Shapeshifter in the Shadows McNaught, Jenny Robson, Lydia Henderson, Keris Hangdrews, and Becky Numo, Mono Ultra Microscopic Silly Covo, and then it cuts off Mayoko. So thank you very much to all those people. If anybody is still here who's not involved, who isn't one of those names, what? why? But also, thank you, because I appreciate that. Because yeah. you've made the effort to see what's going to happen at the end. And it's this madness every bloody week. So, yeah, thanks to all those guys. I do appreciate it. I know it sounds like I was thanking other people. But, yeah, yeah, none of this would have been possible without the Patreon Um and yeah, we had a fantastic week with them all last week. So thank you so, so much if you've supported us. If you've even just listened to this episode and this is your first time, thank you very much. Please think about checking all the other ones out. If you want to know more about me and Morgan, listen to episode one. But otherwise, just go through the episodes and see who's there. I'm sure. I guarantee you there's an episode there for you that you will enjoy.
Fact. Yes, that is definitely a guarantee. Um, but yes, thank you very much to everyone of our Patreon. The last, last week has been incredible. Celebrating with you all. And thank you to everyone uh, listening for the support and everything as well. Have a fantastic, spooky Halloween weekend if you can. And Sean... Don't die. What? Any 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 words of advice? <laughs> you were going to say it. I could see you were saying any final words. So I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, here's my final words. Now that we've sussed it out, it was obviously Morgan, wasn't it? Morgan did it. Morgan what? killed me. If I go oh. missing now over the next couple of weeks, <laughs> nah. you've just said to me any final words. It's you. <laughs> it's you. Hey, guys, check Morgan straight away. No, but, 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 right, there's so many things wrong with that. A, I wouldn't kill you anyway, Sean. I consider you a friend. Um, oh, B, it's, it's coming up to payday on Patreon. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you shit. Um, no, I haven't got any final words. Enjoy your Halloween. Um, boys dress like slutty, slutty cats, and uh, girls dress like um, boring fellas. No, don't dress well. Send in your photos. If anybody dresses up as me and Morgan, that that is insane. I'd love we to are, see that. That'd be funny as fuck. <laughs> South Wales. We are South Wales is Wayne and Garth. So um, yeah, have a great weekend. Have a great life. We'll be back next week for episode hundred and two of Sapping Podcast. Wow! But until then, fucking Sapping. Sapping. You're listening to Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>